Welcome to How Did I Get Here, the podcast where we take a deep dive into the careers of working professionals to learn about their journey so far, career joys and struggles, and advice for people considering the same path as them. My name is Erica Lipton, and this season we are talking to Protestant pastors and asking them the question, how did they get here? So I am Reverend Kim Kendrick. I currently work as the interim pastor at Glenside United Church of Christ in Glenside, Pennsylvania. I have been there for 11 months now um, as their interim pastor. Prior to that, I served at Bethany Children's Home as the chaplain. I was at Bethany Children's Home in Walmersdorf, Pennsylvania. Whenever I say Walmersdorf, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Erica, people usually say Walmersdorf. That's something out of Harry Potter. But I'm like, no, it really is in central Pennsylvania. And uh, Bethany, um, I was there for five years as their chaplain with uh, youth. Prior to that, I served as the senior pastor at Living Water United Church of Christ right here in Philadelphia. Um, and I served in varying capacities at Living Water for 12 years. Uh-huh. Um, and that's where I've gotten a lot of my experience pastoring as a senior pastor, youth pastor, associate pastor, and deacon, as well as a proud member of Living Water. Um, and so I've been doing ministry for, for many years. I'm a graduate of Lancaster Theological Seminary. Uh, with a degree in, uh, with a Master of Divinity and a certificate in Youth and Young Adult Studies. Hmm. That's that's a lot. That's awesome. So one question I like to ask everybody um, is, what was your like dream job when you were a kid? Because most people don't dream being a pastor. My dream job would have, my dream job was either to be in the NFL Mm. I wanted to be a wide receiver. Um, like uh, I wanted to be a wide receiver, like Tony Swan. You don't know who Tony Swan is. I don't is, know who Tony Swan is, but I like that's a good. I'm old. I keep telling I'm old. Yes, uh, he was a wide receiver for um, Pittsburgh Steelers. Or I wanted to be a running back in the NFL, like Tony Dorsett. You don't know who Tony Dorsett is. That's all right. It could be football um, people now. I still wouldn't know who they are. So that's all right. Um, so I wanted to be in the NFL. Um, I also wanted to be a doctor. Um, well, if yeah, you so you're a doctor of ministry, you still can be. This is true, but I wanted to be a GYN. So yes. Um, okay. But uh, yes. And so, and this is my other dr- dream job. Um, I wanted to be a camp director. I still, I still think I could be a camp director. Yes. Yeah. I wanted my own camp. Yes. I think that would be my dream job. And I think I could still do that. I could still pull that off. You could definitely still pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. So how um, did you kind of get first involved in the church? Did you grow up in the church? Was it adulthood you found the church? Erica, let me, now let me first, let me preface this. And I don't know if Dr. Kaylee told you this. I'm cussing clergy. So I tell, I tell Erica, I tell my congregations this, when you, when I go to interview with folks, I have to tell folks this, you go to Facebook, all social media know that, that Pastor Kim is cussing clergy. All right. So I got to tell you this, whether you edit this or not, it's up to you. Hell no. I didn't want to know shit. Not a damn thing about seminary or the church. Okay. So I did not grow up up in church. I was raised by Baptist parents. I was raised Catholic by Baptist parents. And the reason, the reason I was raised Catholic is because my Baptist parents wanted the Catholic school discount when they sent us to school. (laughs) They wanted the discount. So they sent us to, they didn't want to send, my father didn't want us to, didn't want us to go to the public school in the neighborhood. So they sent us to the Catholic school because he thought it was better. And so he wanted the discount. So he was like, oh yeah, just teach him that stuff. He didn't know anything. My parents didn't know anything about Catholicism. So it was like, all right, just go ahead and teach him that stuff. So I was raised Catholic. Um, And so that's how I I wasn't really raised in church. I just, you know, I, I guess I was kind of, you know, because of school, I went to Catholic school. Therefore I learned Catholicism. Um, so that's, 
that's the reason why I know about the Catholic Church because I was raised, uh, I went to Catholic school between first grade and eighth grade. Um, and then as soon as I left eighth grade, that was it <laughs> for me. Well, not quite. I know, I know. <laughs> but everywhere I went, um, I can honestly say that nothing looked like me. Nothing looked like me, nothing sounded like me. I didn't see any brown or black faces. Um, I specifically didn't see any women. And Eric, I remember the day that I went up to uh, Father George and I said, oh, I wanna be an altar boy. And Father George said to me, Kim, do you know what you just said? It's called an altar boy. And he patted me on the shoulder and he sent me on my way. And I never forgot that, Erica. He patted me on my shoulder and he sent me on my way. Um, that was strike number one. Yeah. And then strike number two was I was much, much older as an adult. And I remember being in a Baptist church right here in West Philly when as an adult, I wanted to lend my services to teach. Um, I think it was like Microsoft Word or Excel. I was um, at the time working for Blue Cross and I wanted to teach, uh, I guess, resume writing or I wanted to teach an Excel class to kids. And someone questioned if I was um, a lesbian or said, was I in a gay relationship? And I think, and I believe I said yes. And I was like, what does that have to do with it? And the pastor came back to me and said, I don't think it's gonna be appropriate for you to teach that class. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? What does me being in a gay relationship have to do with me teaching how to do columns in Excel or doing letter writing in Word? And he was like, well, I don't think the parents would blah, 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 blah. You Strike two yeah. with the church, right? Mm -hmm. So I probably- church, Not even still Catholicism. Yo, so I gave the middle finger to church and was like, um, what the hell, right? Why am I giving my time and my money to this nonsense, to this bullshit, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, no, this is not for me at all, at all. Um, and so, so bad when people like have that experience of the church, because I was very lucky. I grew up in like, women pastor, women youth leader, very encouraging, very accepting congregation, reconciling congregation, or at least reconciling leadership. I don't know about the congregation, but the people, you know, and so, yeah, so it, it's just always so hard and upsetting to like know that people do have that experience in the church, you know, and I think about that when I think about becoming a pastor, I'm like, this is an organization that I'm considering becoming leadership for and there are still people in that organization that believe this way and you know and so that's I mean it's it's hard it's something to think about yeah yeah and then the church turn around and say oh but you can tithe right? <laughs> you can give your money mm -hmm. um or you can sing in a choir right mm -hmm. or we can <clears throat> excuse me we can we can pray for you because we can also potentially um pray the gay away. Mm. And we certainly have a, a, a nice young man that we would like for you to date. Mm. Right? And yeah. so, yeah. Um, and so I, I promptly left that, that church. And I went to um, another form of, of sanctuary for me, which was the nightclub, mm. which Erica, it was indeed a sanctuary. And so this, this, and when I say sanctuary, it became a place. And so people find sanctuary and home specifically in the, in the same gender loving and, and the LGBT community, the LGBTQ plus community, they make, and we make home and lots of folks in, in community make community out of choice and out of choice and out of the family that they love because family by blood sometimes rejects or turns them away mm. in, in varying ways. And so when I went to the nightclub, there were folks that embraced me and loved me. And for a strange odd reason, um, 
I started talking about God. Mm. Interesting. Because what started happening, Erica, in the club was it would be Saturday night, because I'm getting to answer your question. It was Saturday night and it would be, what are you doing tomorrow? Being Sunday. And it would be, who's going to church? And folks would say, ah, what church could we go to? Mm. And in our community, it would be, that was the question that really, what, what was behind that question was, what church could we go to where we would not be hassled? Where could we be accepted? Where could we go where we wouldn't have to sit so far apart? Mm-hmm. Or I, I, I could go dress maybe like this and somebody wouldn't spot me. Or I, I've got to put on my hoop earrings and maybe dress differently, right? Or maybe I couldn't bring my partner. You got to stay home today, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe can I bring my partner or not bring my partner, right? And so that would be the question behind, well, where could we go on Sunday? Or do we have to just stay home? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the club at that time, Erica, it was, well, Kim, why don't you just pray for us? And I said, okay. And how about that's what started happening? I started praying for people in the club. And after a while, Erica, it was, oh, well, Kim can marry us when it was illegal. And I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, Kim, come on, come here. Kim Kim can do weddings. And I'm like, (laughs) and I went online and um, yes, you can get ordained online. And I did. And before it was legal, even First as a civil union, online. I got ordained online and I was doing weddings in the parking lot. I did my first wedding in the parking lot on Delaware Avenue in Walmart, in the Walmart parking lot. And then my, at the time, my pastor found out and he said, Kim, you need to go to the cemetery. I said, the what? What are you talking about? He said, fool. I said, seminary. I said, oh, I thought you said the cemetery. He said, no, go to seminary and get some training and do this thing right. Mm. I said, oh, I don't have any money. He said, there's some scholarships. There's some guidance, get some mentorship, get the theological training that you need so that you can teach the people correctly. You have a calling, you Mm -hmm. have passion get what you need so that you can do this, this thing correctly. Mm -hmm. And I said, Oh, okay. And then therefore, so in 2010, I applied 2011. I went to Lancaster theological seminary, 2014. I graduated. That's how this began. I found sanctuary. I found my, I guess that would be my original um, congregation from the nightclub. Um, And that calling right there as people saying, you know, Pastor Kim and started calling me Pastor Kim in the nightclub and praying for people right there in a nightclub in and out. And those same people, Erica, I've I've seen them over the years. They still I do their weddings. I do their funerals. Mm -hmm. I baptize kids, um, their grandchildren even now. um, Because there are still congregations and families that. Um, are not accepting of same gender loving folks. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys basically formed your church. You formed your congregation. Yeah. Yeah. They picked yeah. their leader, you know, like, yeah. uh, that's awesome. It's like the testament to like, if you have a call, like it's going to happen, you know, like it's going to happen no matter where you are. Listen, so make sure that you know, and that your 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 listeners and that your viewers know that as long as God keeps calling, you got to keep answering mm-hmm. wherever it is. And so that's why I'm glad that I found Glenside United Church of Christ, because it is um, as the United Church of Christ um, uses the phrase O-N-A, which is open and affirming. Mm-hmm. And so it is an open and affirming church, right? We've got a huge, beautiful uh, rainbow flag out front. 
we call ourselves and we are open and affirming. And so I'm glad it's an open and affirming congregation. So I have a place where I can have my feet firmly planted right now. Um, and so, which is beautiful. It's a beautiful place to be, which is a formal structured, um, organized place right now. And so even as an interim, even as I, you know, will have a brief time there, even when I leave, I'm still going to, you know, be um, preaching and teaching as long as God calls, my answer is yes. And so my yes is my yes, no matter what. I like that. Yeah. Um, so the pastor who told you you should go to seminary, was that at Living Water? That was at Living Water. That's Bishop Dwayne Royster. Yes, indeed. Aww. So he says that you go to seminary. What was seminary like for you? <sighs> seminary was hard. Seminary was hard because I, I was out of school. I had been out of school probably a good 15 years. Like there was a 15 year gap between the last time I'd been in formalized school to seminary. And that was uh, graduate school, you know, seminary being graduate school. So that was, you know, writing papers, studying and trying to get my, my head together with that, that type of rigor. Um, so for me, seminary was hard. And at that time, I had a one-year-old. I was mm. working full-time. I was married um, to my wife at the time and had a mortgage, bills. I was, I had a car note. I was full on grown, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, seminary was hard and it was different because I also had to do a whole mind shift in what I was learning because I also had to unlearn some things. I had a lot of heteronormative beliefs also mm -hmm. in, in things. And so I didn't know anything about BART. I didn't know anything about um, a lot of different theological um, systems or beliefs that seminary was trying to pour into me. So I had to, again, unlearn some things and, and do a lot of shifting as well. Mm -hmm. um, but seminary was also not just hard. It was also, I would say, life-giving as well because of the friendships and the colleagues that came along the way. And um, uh, some of the most again, life-giving friendships that I have even to this day. Yeah. How did you choose Lancaster Seminary? Um, it is a UCC seminary. Okay. And so the church that I belong to at the time and still belong to is a, is a United Church of Christ seminary. Um, also, the United Church of Christ is, again, an open and affirming denomination um, that is and I'm assuming they were at the time you were going to seminary too yep yes and they still are so that is in alignment with you know who I am and who I identify um, as a same gender loving um, woman um, I would say the distance didn't you know didn't jive too well but yet it's less than two hours from Philadelphia mm. beautiful campus um I would trek, say in though. the tuition say it again Erica I said that's still a trek two hours is a big commitment yes time. yes and at the time their program was such that I could stay on campus Monday through Thursday and then still come home mm. Friday so it it worked out it worked out yes awesome um did you ever consider going to a different denomination or you know like was it always just United Church of Christ or did, did you make a conscious choice there or did it just kind of happen and feel right and you didn't really think about it? No, I, I believe I did think about it in terms of where would I be able to bring all of me? Mm -hmm. Where would I be able to, so let me say this. So Bishop Yvette Flunder of the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries, have you heard of her? I have not. Okay. Google will bless your life. <laughs> so when you get a chance, look up Bishop Yvette Flunder. Yvette, Y-V-E-T-T-E, -T -T -E, Flunder, F-L-U-N-D-E-R, Bishop Yvette Flunder of the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries. She has a quote that says, closets are for brooms and coats. 
<laughs> and if there's a denomination that wants to put any part of me in a closet, that's not for me. Mm. So if I, or an institution. And so as much as I am a fan of Eastern, if there is any part of an institution or a denomination where I cannot fully or they cannot fully embrace, mm -hmm. and that goes for students or faculty, mm -hmm. then I can't be part of it. Yeah. So that's, that means all my coins or my time. Mm. Well, so I guess this is my question. So um, obviously the Methodist church, so I'm United Methodist. I grew up United Methodist. Um, the United Methodist church is all obviously going through a lot of yeah. turmoil right now around mm. the LGBTQ plus um, issue. Uh, and I, so I work at Arch Street United Methodist Church, which is an open and reconciling congregation, facilitate, you know, a lot of LGBTQ plus programs and Bible studies and stuff like that. And I chose it for that reason, right? I was very intentional about the congregation I wanted to work with. Um, and so I interviewed their pastor on, for this event, Pastor Robin Heineke. Um, You've got a great pastor. He, yeah. He's fabulous. He's yes. Awesome. He's Awesome. Love him. I asked him that question. I was like, well, how, how does that make you feel? And he kind of talked about a philosophy of this is an organization I love and I'm going to work to make it what I see the kingdom of God as being, you know? So like, he's like, I know it's not open and accepting all the way right now, but I'm going to work to make it. So how, and different philosophy, right. That you kind of described, you're like, I want to be in an organization that affirms all of me. Um, so how do you feel about that kind of other philosophy of being? Do you think that your orientation kind of has a bigger impact on that decision for you? Could you just kind of speak to that a little bit? Um, I love the fact, and so I, I think that there are, there's space for both. Mm -hmm. I think there's space for both. I think there's room for both. I think both are needed. And so I, I love the fact that the United Methodists are coming alongside and doing its own work that it needs to do. Um, it breaks my heart that the struggle that's happening in the name of Jesus, in the name of God, um, that the, the, the tearing apart or the rupture that's happening um, in the name of God or this fight about God's children. It's, it's really a, a fight about God's children, about who is in and who is not, right? Um, but as for me, I, I want the full inclusion. And so when I say that I want to be into in a denomination that already is accepting, that that is where, that's where, what my stance is. And so for another denomination to have that, that struggle, um, I don't in any way want to cast a, a shadow on that. Um, I wanna come alongside that denomination and say, how can I help? Mm -hmm. How can I help in any way? How can I, be a sibling in Christ to, yeah, to walk the journey alongside you, with mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. yeah. So like there, there's love and support and-, and Absolutely. To be offered. Absolutely. And it's more like than just, it's more than just lip service, right? It's more than just um, thoughts and prayers too. It's, it's real, even in terms of what are the resources Mm -hmm. What is the actual physical presence that I can give? Mm -hmm. um, what's the monetary that I can give? What's mm -hmm. the, um, yeah, I, I would say all of it that mm -hmm. I can give, that I can lend. What's the, what are the, you know, the past experiences that I can give to help out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think. Yeah, and, th and I just, and that's just coming from a place where, um, this is where I'd rather be than, oh, I'd rather, you know, there's some people that rather fight from the inside than outside. 
And so if you'd rather fight from inside the organization to change where you are, because I know I've, I've, you know, I've got the Reverend Dr. Pamela Lightsey is, is in the, the Methodist organization as a same gender, as a black, same gender loving uh, woman. And she's not leaving the Methodist, right? And I'm not, I'm not going to say, why are you doing it? No, she's going to stand firm and she's going to work from the inside out right? To stay within her denomination. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud of her for doing that. And anything that I can lend either to Pastor Robin or to Pastor Pamela to do that. Yeah, because we're all siblings in Christ mm. working for the kingdom of God. So let's do that. And even for you, Erica, we're all siblings in Christ. Mm -hmm. That's what this is about. Um, because it's, it's, it's God's table, right? Our responsibility at the table is to bring more chairs. Mm, right like because that. it's got yeah it's that's it's god's table it's not ours mm. yeah um i like that i like how it's the philosophy of like you know being authentic in yourself and still supporting you know what you believe and it's the, the fact that it looks different for different people and that that's okay you know, like the church is made up of diversity and that's important. Like that's where its strength comes from. Yeah. Um, so you graduated seminary and then you worked at Living Water Church is, or no. Because no? Living Water didn't have any money. No. <laughs> oh, hell no. No, <laughs> okay, I've been so vocational. Um, I've been my vocational, um, all the way up through past it took, I was by vocational all, I about to say all my life. Um, I've been by vocational. I was about to say, um, no, I about to say I was almost resentful for a long time, Erica, because I watched so many of my colleagues, um, get ministries and calls at churches. I was like, how come that can happen? No, I even went to my conference and was like, yo, what's going on? Because there weren't um, people calling black, open um, gays, I would say male and female to pulpits, mm -hmm. not in the Philadelphia area. Mm -hmm. We weren't getting that. And so I was, like I said, I was working for Blue Cross. I worked at Penn Medicine. I was a realtor. And I was working at Living Water and Living Water was paying me a stipend. I think I was getting like 700 a month at one point, maybe 500 a month. Wow. Um, and I was doing a software training for Penn Medicine. And I was a realtor. I've been a realtor before. And it wasn't until 2014, no, 2015, I just gotten out of seminary that um, I was hired at Bethany Children's Home. And then I started working at Bethany Children's Home full time. So that's how long um, I was bivocational. So I was doing ministry with Living Water, always either as um, associate pastor or youth pastor at Living Water, but working bivocational. Um, so before before we started recording, you kind of talked a little bit about doing ministry, like with like very little, you know, like little resources. Mm -hmm. um, and this kind of speaks to that. It's like you're donating your time, really. You're donating your education, your experience. My, my tax refund, yes. I would take my tax refund and the line item, I, was, I, would, I would donate my tax refund to Living Water, yes. And that would be the youth budget. My $1,200 tax refund wow. would be the youth budget, yes. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. And so that's what makes me upset when people then come back and say, well, we can't do this. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, so I was kind of going to ask if you could maybe even just reiterate, like, what did that like teach you about ministry? How did that help shape the pastor that you are now? That it's, it's foolish when people operate out of scarcity. Mm-hmm. It's foolish when people operate out of scarcity, um, when, especially when it comes to our children. Our children are so resilient and there are so many opportunities that we 
don't take and grasp when it comes to our children um, to give them. And there are so many things that we can give them and introduce them to that they want and desire and deserve that we don't plug them into. To give them the potential that they need and want. Um, and I get so excited because youth ministry is a passion for me. Um, and so, um, and so, yeah, and so, and so, yeah. And so um, even things like whether or not we take them to the playground or introduce them to the arts or just have conversations or even um, comprehensive sex education, right? To have, or talking about gun violence or talking about self-esteem or introducing them to um, spoken word, um, all types of things that we can do and that don't take a whole lot of funds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So kind of get creative is what I'm hearing. Getting creative, getting creative. Um, and I'm always um, just amazed at how churches uh, want to cut youth budgets mm -hmm. or don't want to hire or pay youth pastors. Mm don't want to hire or pay youth pastors well, or don't want to give them benefits also. Yeah. 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 Pay the people, pay the people and pay them well, pay them well. And don't, don't discount youth ministry or think that a youth pastor or youth ministry is a stepping stone to youth to a pastor or to a full-time pastorship. Youth ministry or youth pastor is a full-time ministry, period, period, period. And can be a life ministry and a lifetime call, period. I have, I grew up with a full-time youth pastor. She was there my entire life. Like she's been there for 18 years, maybe. Um, and yeah, like I, I credit her with like most of my faith, like bringing me to Christ. Like she's, I'm going to cry. She's so cute. Um, no, she's just an amazing woman. And it's like, I never appreciated how lucky I was to be in a church in a congregation that supported that and, you know, put the resources into that program, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm with you. It kind of blows my mind when churches, don't see that as such a priority because it's like, these yeah. are the most formative years of like these young Christians lives, you know, like what they learn when they're in church with you is what's going to be the basis for their faith, you know, or it's going Absolutely. to be very difficult for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. At least from my experience. Absolutely. Um, so why, why not just be a career youth pastor? What, what, called you to pastoring as a pastor because you are as a lead pastor serving now um so why not kind of stay and focus on youth ministry um I don't think I've shifted my focus I think at this point in time right now um I had a, a curveball with I had a curveball with COVID and I don't think I'm going to get out of youth pastoring. And I haven't gotten out of youth pastoring. I had a curveball with COVID. And so right now I have a shift with um, my parents right now. So it's just personal right now in terms of I'm now caregiver for my elderly parents. Mm. So I shifted from Walmersdorf to Philadelphia. And so with Walmersdorf being almost two hours away, my parents are elderly and they're in South Jersey, which is even further away. Mm -hmm. And so now because they're elderly and because of COVID, I've had to move them a little bit closer. So I had to take a position that's a little bit closer. And um, Bethany very much um, still wants me. And so um, I'm on the board of directors now at Bethany Children's Home. And so I'm still, I still have my hand involved with Bethany Children's Home as I take care of my elderly parents at the same time. So that's why um, Glenside is an interim position for me right now. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. um, so in that position, what have you found are your like favorite parts and some of the harder parts of serving in that position? 
So let's tackle the harder parts. So the hard parts of, I think the harder parts of, of pastoring always are all the, are the personalities. I would say that. Um, there's so many personalities that come with pastoring. Um, and I would say always with pastoring, people always have personal agendas. Let me say this. Mm. People do things at church. Oh, this is what I've always found. People do things at church that they will never do at home and that they will never do at work. (laughs) That's what I always find. Yeah. People do things at church that they will never do at home and they they will never do at work. But they expect to get away with it at church. What, why do you think, do you have any theories on to why? Oh yeah, all in the name of, of, of uh, because they think they can and because it's church, all in the name of Jesus or it's church or because, oh, you're the pastor, you're supposed to pray for me, you're supposed to be that way. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> yep. They don't get the, they don't get uh, attention at home or at, at work. And so they can uh, be this big fish mm-hmm. at church, mm-hmm. right? They can run the project. They can't run a project at home or at work. So they run a project at church, mm. right? It may be whether it's in the kitchen or for the youth or for whatever, you know, project that's going on the mission project at church. Um, so, yeah, so those are the hard parts of those personalities. And as a pastor, it's um, finding ways to not be triangulated, mm. finding ways to um, keep an eye on that, finding ways to um, call people out in a compassionate way on their shit, <laughs> finding ways to um, call time out and, and being a pastoral presence mm. and, re- and just you know seeing that and recognizing it. The best part of my job I would say is doing pastoral care are mm. those times to say, um, is it okay if we get some coffee? Is it okay if we do a smoothie? Yeah. That's funny because that's also people. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the best parts of my job. Yes. And, um, and the worst parts of my job too are the meetings. <sighs> if we have one more meeting, sometimes we have a meeting about a meeting. Can we meet to decide when we're going to meet? <laughs> Like it could have been in an email. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's so funny. I, so I kind of get the sense from you as like a person, just from talking to you, you, you seem, and I don't want to put like words in your mouth or anything, but you very much seem like someone who's like being a pastor is the way I live my life, not like my job. True. I, I love pastoring. Yes. Yes. Um, like, yes. Yeah, I, like I just ran into you at a coffee shop. I'd be like, that's a pastor. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I would, I, I would act like this even if we were drinking beer. Yeah. You're like, like I like this with beer and tacos, right? I'm like this, even if we were doing beer and tacos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I say that I'm cussing clergy because I can't do it any other way, right? Like I've, if we're in a sanctuary, I got to hold back my cursing and watch myself, but we're not in a sanctuary. I'm like still, wow, I have to watch myself in the church because that's naturally me. Well, I do. I think that's something I struggle with in the church. And I love that you say cussing clergy because like when I think about working in the church, I'm like, can you truly be like authentically yourself? Like, why can't you? You're supposed to be. I this is like, what God made you to be. Why? Why not? I, I, I kind, I agree, and I feel like so many churches present it like you can't, and so. <laughs> well, but so my, I guess the question in that is how you have you ever like been confronted with that in the church? Have you ever like had pushback about you know? you and your personality and how you want to tell you when I, the first semester I got to seminary, guess what I did? I threw away all my alcohol. Mm. 
I decided to dress a certain way. Erica, <laughs> girl, I had all the gospel music. I, so I lived on campus, right? I had the gospel music. I, I threw away my alcohol. You did all the seminary things. And then I met one of my best friends in seminary. He had the vodka. He was cussing up a storm. And it was like 1 a.m. in the morning and he was blasting some, some trap music. And I was like, what? Yes, yes, yes. And we were reading all of the epistles until 4 a.m. And we had our, what was it? We had our study Bible out mm -hmm. and we had cocktails and we were debating Galatians and Thessalonians at 4 a.m. Awesome. That sounds like so much fun. Yes. Yes. And we're talking about our good buddy, Paul, and all his nonsense <laughs> over, over, over pesto and pasta talking about Paul. And that's what I mean by going back to what my experience was like in seminary and the good and the good relationships that I had in seminary, that I can remember that sitting in a seminary dorm talking about Paul over pesto and pasta. Yes. And vodka. <laughs> but how my mind was thinking how I had to conform to what people think because they we want to put pastors on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. Hell no, we're people. Mm -hmm. I got my my ish right. No, please don't do that. Don't do that. I send. I do whatever. I got my stuff. I have a therapist. I've I've got you know I've got a therapist that I go to. Please get your therapy. Get medication if you need. Right. Mm -hmm. Handle your stuff if you need. I'm a big, right? I say all the time, my roommates make fun of me. I say all the time, like, I think everyone should be in therapy. Yes. Oh. I see my therapist when I need to see her. I go to my hairdresser when I need to see her. I get my, my feet done. My massage therapist, take care of you when you need to, right? If you need medication, do that too, right? Do all of those things. There was a question that you had um, a term, in terms of advice. And I would say self-care, Self-care as self-care and boundaries mm. are so important as a pastor. When I have my day off and my day off is coming up tomorrow, I don't answer my phone. And my outgoing message says, I will not, in caps and in bold, it says, will not answer your email or text. And I don't, not from my congregation. If this is an emergency, please dial 911. Hmm. If it's a pastoral emergency, here's another phone number for you to call, which is another, which is an associate pastor or another pastor, mm -hmm. right? But if it's a true emergency, call 911. Mm -hmm. Pastoral emergency, pastoral care, here's another pastor, but not me. I've got to give that time back to me or my children mm -hmm. or wh whoever is in my life. I've got to pour back into me. Mm -hmm. You got to have those boundaries because other than that, it'll be. Yeah, it'll never, it'll never end. And then it's, yeah, it's just like, you can't do a job if you're not like filled. Authentically you. So that's how we got on this. Oh, you yeah. got to be authentic. You yeah. got to be authentic. And so whether it's talking to you with coffee and smoothies or over beer and tacos, please be authentic. Please be authentic. Yeah. So a question I had on my list that kind of kind of plays into that a little bit. Um, I was curious, as obviously we touched on a little bit as a female in ministry, um, how do you think your gender has affected your ministry? Um, yeah, affected your ministry. Eric, I'm sorry. Say it one more time. How do you think? Uh, how do you how do you think or feel that your gender has affected your ministry, either your perception or opportunities or your ability to give pastoral care? Because um, I mean, it's a part of who you are. 
think um, I don't know. I think I think it's helped and it's hurt. I don't I don't know if I want to say 50-50 or 60-40. I can't say that it has not played a factor. I know that I do know that in the very beginning of searching for a call, even while I was in seminary, I remember applying for um, positions. I re I remember seeking pastoral care and help, even asking for help, and um, folks talking about not being prepared for a female or as a woman, that it was something that was not, yeah. I would say maybe it, it has not. It's not always been favorable. I would have to think more about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a broad question. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm trying to make sure I cover all the things that I wanted to ask you. You've got great questions. Thank you. I try. I try. Um, you come across as someone who, who like knows who they are and is very confident in what their call is. Um, you might not feel that way, but you, you do come across in this conversation um, as very confident in those things. And so I wonder how, like, how do you go through your discernment process? Like, how did you hear your call? How did you gain confidence that this is God speaking? I believe in, um, it, it has, has everything to do with my past. It has everything to do with my past. I use this, this phrase and I believe in it. I believe in the God, the same God of the past is the same God of the present is the same God of the future. Mm. And that's, that's it. And so whenever there is a situation that poses itself that's too hard, that's too impossible, that is insurmountable. So I come from drug addiction. I come from parents that did not accept me when I said that I um, that I wanted to come out. I had a horrible coming out experience that I wrote about in my ordination, that I wrote about in my journey, right? So that it's public um, <clears throat> to, to get to who I am right now. But God, right? And to live into who I am today, it must be that God of the past to bring me to who I am today to help me step into my future. Mm. And that's what I hold on to. That that same God of the past is the same God of right now who will be the same God of the future. Mm. And this is the God that is that can handle, that she can handle all of our questions. She can handle all of our ish. She can handle all of it. Our job is to hold on and again, to extend an invitation and to bring some more chairs. To really get to get the hell out of the way and to let her do her work and to keep on telling more people, to keep on telling more people about this radical, loving, loving God. Um, and that's my job. That's my job, Erica, to, as long as I've got breath in my body, I'm gonna tell the whole world. I'm gonna tell the whole world about Jesus. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell the whole world. I'm gonna tell the whole world. 
Yeah. That's great. That's, I mean, it's a great answer. Um, shout out to the she, her pronouns on the Lord. <laughs> that. Um, I just read Sexism and God Talk. By, uh, I, don't, I don't remember who it's by, but it talks about the gender of God and it's just fascinating. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I have one last question for you. Um, uh, I would like you, could you finish these two sentences for me? Um, uh-huh. Sorry, I'll give you a Go ahead. Um, you should be a pastor if blank, and you should not be a pastor if blank. You should be a pastor if you hear the whisper of the divine in your heart period it's mm. a good answer First off, thank you so much for meeting with me and sharing your story and your testimony and your yeah. thoughts and feelings and life. Um, is there anything else that you want to say, want to share, want to shout out? Um, anything that could be useful to people in their life's discernment? Let your yes be your yes, always. Let your yes be your yes. If you have a yes, let your yes be your yes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on the How Did I Get Here podcast.